He's a snarky, no-nonsense geohound that doesn't take crap from anyone. Get your butt in gear. I've got to escort your ass to the church for this dumb ceremony. She's a kind, gentle woman of Granis that's always in high spirits. All things are possible through belief. But what happens when these two total opposites... You're a smelly jerk. Yeah, and you're a goody two-shoes. ...are paired up to defeat a god of evil. Why do I have to have a geohound with me? I don't want to go along with that smelly boar. Well, excuse me, princess. And wait till he meets her wild side. Mm, you make a nice plaything, Ryudo. I wouldn't mind you hounding me like a dog if you get my drift. This summer, Ryudo gets to date the nice church girl. I had so much fun singing. I've never sang for anyone but Granis before. And the bad girl his mama warned him about. You'll get Ryoto from my cold, dead fingers. From Game Arts Pictures, my girlfriend is actually Valimar, coming to the Dreamcast this summer. Whoa, really? We're trying to make a romantic comedy game? I mean, why not? It worked for FF8. You mean that game where they wrote themselves into a corner, then made just everyone from the same orphanage and just did time travel? Good point. We'll just make it a Grandia sequel and call it good. This is RBG Backtrack, RB Gamer's official retro gaming podcast covering titles from the early days of PC gaming right up through the consoles of yesteryear. Join hosts Kelly Ryan, Matt Mason, and the estimable Mike Minky as they and their guests tell you what to borrow, what to buy, and what to relegate to that big backlog in the sky. Hello and welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you such fine podcasts like RPG Cast, your news show, and Q&A Quest, your feedback show, but we're the nostalgia show. I'm Kelly Ryan, and with me, the sky to my Ryudo, Matt Mason. Ah, yes. Great game. I'm glad to be back with some of us for uh, Grandia 2 Take 2. Yeah, uh, kind of a lost episode because we recorded a Grandia two episode and well, we recorded a, a full on Grandia episode where somehow we recorded the Grandia and we recorded the Grandia Extreme and Grandia three parts with a little mention <laughs> of Parallel Trippers and we recorded part two but it got lost and it's lost to the internet ethers for all time now unless well unless we can find it somewhere in the recesses of Phil's computer I don't think it's <laughs> going to be chipped. I don't think it's ever going to track it down at this point um, I'm, I'm going to blame it on 2020 it was a shit year there were problems but we're doing it better we're going to do it better um, that that other voice you heard our f- f- former ho- uh, backtrack host Mike Mohiki it is indeed my own voice yes I am here because I have played a, a lot of Grandia 2 over the years I remember it pretty well. And then uh, from our Q&A Quest alumni, also regular on the show now, he's not been on a lot of episodes, David McBurney. Right kneecap of Valmar. <laughs> <laughs> and our community manager, who's I, I thank every week for putting posting this to the Facebook group, as well as social media and all the other stuff. Robert, I'm blanking on the last name. Albright. 
all bright. My bad. <sighs> You're good. So actually, most of that's automated, but I, I appreciate the credit um, for pause because <laughs> that was automated before she hired me. But uh, uh. but no, I'm I'm glad to be here too. Uh, I played it once, but my memory for gaming is the oddest thing in the world. That's what we need on Backtrack. Weird gaming habits. Listen, good memories. I, listen, I've played this game enough for at least once for every person on this podcast. I got this. <laughs> I mean, so, I've we, said before, I will play the absolute trash if it means that we get a show out of it, which means at some point I get to boot up Legend of Dragoon. But yeah, no one will take me up on the Witch and the Hundred Night offer. <laughs> I I just don't own it. I, that was one of the few that sort of fell in the cracks of me not having money. You gotta you gotta get hold of Wheels and ask him about a Mugen Souls episode. We did that actually. Oh, it, oh that Lordy, was, I can't believe you actually Mugen chose Souls. to do that on purpose, and it's not just a joke I'm making. It uh, wasn't exclusively Mugen Souls. It was an Idea Factory episode. Oh Lordy. Okay, well I want oh. no more of this. Uh, <laughs> you, you sure did? You, you know, we only covered a few Idea Factory games because somehow they just don't get played in depth by most of our staff all the time. I can't imagine why. I played Trinity Universe once and threw it in the trash. Get out. <laughs> I actually uh, think we talked about play... nine different games that night, if I'm not mistaken. I've beaten still played the entirety of Cross Edge. He was not happy. I've, I've beaten Cross Edge. I've beaten all of the mainline Neptunia games. I've beaten You Unleashed. I beat I've that one. Fairy Fencer, and I think there's one other somewhere I've beaten that I'm just spacing on at the moment. I mean, Chaos Wars? I, I have... No, I did uh, not beat Chaos Wars. I own it. I, I oh. have um, Mary Skelter 1 and 2 on the Switch. I bought it at one of those, like, Switch Black Friday fire sales. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I'm going to play it. I just don't know when, because I'm too busy taking pictures of Pokemon and running around in Rainbow Skies right now. Well, but, get on it. Then you and Mike can about... talk about that game. <laughs> But the, that's that's beside the point. We're talking about a good game tonight. Come on, Grandi yeah, is a good game. Wait, this isn't like, this isn't like the Sonic episode. <laughs> oh no no, we were commenting on a uh, what is it? Uh, Idea Factory, Idea Mary Skelter. Yeah, we're. Oh god. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, time. I still we're remember sure live on the episode where Phil oh. bought it for him. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks hey, so this much. This has been Phil. exercise. Now I want to talk about Grandia or I'll die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's let's talk about the good game Grandia too. Since we, did, I mean, we got a chance to, but it, it messed up. So this is our second chance to talk up how great Grandia two is. So after a short musical interlude, we will be right back to dive into the details.
to our episode, our Grandia 2 episode Redux, since we're redoing this from a previous Grandia episode. I'm, I'm laughing because some of the off-air conversation has just been cracking cracking me up tonight. But I have to wrangle these kitties together because we got to talk about this game. You guys love this game so much. I, I love it too, though. It's been, I want to say it's been a decade since I played it. Well, I think we should mention at the very least that once upon a time, Back before the death of Sega as a hardware maker, this was a Dreamcast exclusive. Yes. That didn't last long. No. Game Arts was not stupid enough to leave it there after the console died. I yeah, mean, the I... Dreamcast version was the only good version for like 15 years. Yeah, because wasn't the PS2 version no- notably ass? That port is a disaster. See, I played the see, I played the PS2 version, and the only times I felt it it had issues was when it was doing like these wide area pans of cities because there was just so much trying to load. Other than that, I had no issues besides uh, trying to fight the last boss with three people. Like that, that it, maybe I was more sensitive because like Grandia 2 is the game I got a Dreamcast for. Like that was the game I wanted to play. But that game is on Dreamcast, a silky smooth 60 frames per second video game, which doesn't matter that much in RPGs, but you get used to. And then you play the PS2 version and it's routinely dipping to like 15 frames a second in town. And it's like, oh. <laughs> I, remember, yeah. I remember EGM did reviews, uh, gave the Dreamcast version a gold award because everybody raised yeah, about three the nines. Big, great game. <laughs> and then I think only one person did the PS2 port and started off. I was like, wait a minute, I'm look- you're looking at that store. It's like, but I thought Grandia 2 was supposed to be good. Well, yep, I remember PS2 this review definitely. quite well. It gave it a four and a half. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it was just like, the entire text of the review was like, yeah, the underlying game here is still great, but this port's a mess. I just remember putting up the PS1 port and instantly putting it down, not because of quality, but just because it's like, wait, I don't want to play through this again. You think PS1? PS2 port. I'm, I'm sorry, okay, PS2. Yeah, yeah. I was I, I was looking at a picture of a PS1 game. Oh, I said okay. that. <laughs> I, I thought we were suddenly getting into Grandia One again. No, no, no I no, no, no. I played it like right after I played Grandia One when I got that off of eBay, and I was like, oh, well, I'm gonna have a Grandia marathon. I'll play through two and then Extreme, and then never got through either of them. Well, I can't blame you for Extreme. Shame. Even I have that Shame. One. I've heard Shame. awful things about Extreme. You've been lied to. You just need the right set of expectations going into Extreme, and to not there listen to go. anyone there talking. You, <laughs> you need to listen to Sam, who will have you think of Simpsons quotes the whole time. It's all about the mana uh, egg breeding. Oh, man. <laughs> Combining, but, whatever. They weren't breeding. <laughs> as far as you know. Uh, as far as that. <laughs> when an egg really loves another egg. One they both why sit they there stop, because they're mobile. being eggs. Uh, but, but yeah, just just talking about the development of the game, it was made by many of the same people who worked on the original Grandia, but they kind of wanted a more mature product for yeah, a more mature game, which is like, yeah, I can definitely see that leap from one to two. Um, this game gets a little bit dark in some spots. And then it was originally released in Japan in August of, of 2020, and then it came out in North America in 2001. Um, I forgot. 2020. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 2000. Okay. I I can't number tonight for some reason. I've been staring at spreadsheets all day. Oof. Uh, and then it was ported to the PS2 in 2002. So I, I can't remember when the announcement that the Dreamcast was going away for good was. It was February 2001. Okay. So it came out. Uh, it came out in Europe in February two thousand one. Yeah, uh, I do. 
uh, if I if I can interrupt for just a moment, I do want to give a brief uh, rest in peace to the director of both Grandia One and Two, uh, Takeshi Miyagi, who passed away in uh, July of 2011. Uh, he was kind of the uh, anyone who's a fan of RPGs uh, who liked the game art output, game art's output. Like he was a designer on Lunar One and Two and Grandia One and Two, and you can see the through line between them. Sorry, just wanted to interrupt long enough no. to. No, that's, that's completely worthwhile. Yeah, no, that's good. But um, but but yeah, that's just there wasn't really that much development history on the Wikipedia article, unfortunately. Um, believe... All Matt has about the battle system is that it's so good. Yeah. Uh, yes. uh, oh, I'll give. I'll dip in a bit, but uh, there was, I believe, a Schmufflations uh, translation of articles uh, about Grandia. <laughs> few years back that might be worth digging into for anyone who's interested uh but you know we don't really have time to go into that now but there's some interviews with the dear departed Takeshi Miyagi as well as several other people who were involved with the game about uh the game's development for those interested in sun schmopulations.com slash grandia2 <laughs> so the battle system was a uh the, sorry uh, it's, similar, it's very similar to grandia1 Mm-hmm. Which is not a bad thing at all. Not at all. But more three D this time. <laughs> it is more three D. Yeah. Um, they definitely played around with the uh, fact that you don't have to use the same spell over and over and over again. You don't need to heal yourself ninety seven thousand times. To yeah, uh, the entire jack like, your yeah, the entire weapon skill. and magic XP system has gone away. Mm-hmm. Good. I actually yeah. really enjoyed. That I liked it, but they're different now, and they're both good. <laughs> yes, I, I'm going to say that too. You, later, we'll talk about that, um, comparing it to Grandia One. But no, it this has its benefits. You know, you don't have to do. You know, if you don't want to be freaking casting digging a thousand times to boost your Earth skill, you don't have to. Um, what you get magic coins at the end of a battle and skill point coins, or were they the same thing? Am I thinking? No, they are separate things. Like skill yep, coins yep. can be used to speed up how uh, earn new skill, like skill mm-hmm. attacks, which are different from magic, yep. and to also give you like stat bonuses and other things that can be learned from skill books. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you've got your regular money, you've got your magic coins that magic points, whatever that you invest to learn new skills or no, the game literally magic. magic. You were right. Yep. <laughs> I was gonna say I think it was all like money based kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you don't those points. eggs that are interchangeable. Right? Yeah, the mana eggs are like you're upgrading the egg, not the person individually. Mm-hmm. Which is good because you're gonna be switching party members <laughs> quite a few times. Although not nearly as much as you were in the original. <laughs> no, that's true. I this one was for shorter periods of time, I'd say. You'd get yeah. especially with the whole millennia. It's even better though, because millennia comes with an egg and then leaves and so it just gets deposited in your inventory. <laughs> I liked that egg. It was a good one. Oh no, that's a great egg. I usually put it on Ryudo because like he's mostly gonna be casting offensive spells anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. I particularly appreciated at the time the bet the battle system the part of the battle system where you could delay the enemy's attacks using attacks. Oh, yeah. That that, well, that, that know, does come straight from Grundy One. Yeah, I I, yeah, I, is, I played this one first. That is like the core Actually, so of the battle system. But yeah. But um 
you know, at that time, I was kind of having that question of, am I just getting tired of JRPGs? And then that battle system came around. It's like, no, I just think that some of them have gotten a little stale. And it's fun being able to play one that you actually have to think about the timing of your attacks and whether or not you're going to knock someone back around the wheel or not. Am I going to be oh, yeah. able to launch that amazing special attack of Ryudo's or is something going to whack me first and knock me back and waste my turn? Why didn't I spend more skill coins on Tensei and Slash? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I will admit I abuse that skill so much. So you've got your basic combo where you hit something twice and just damage it. Or you've got, did they call it a critical? It's or... called critical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's more damaging than an individual hit in a combo, but less damaging than the combo collectively. But it would it could potentially cause knockback. Yeah, like it, it, it will cancel an attack if an enemy is preparing one and force them to go back further in the turn order before mm-hmm. they can make a move again. Well, let's see. Uh, for the people who have no idea what we're talking about, there is a meter that shows where everybody, enemy and friend, is with regard to performing an action. They go through a long phase of preparing, and then you choose what the action is going to be. And if you get hit with, sp- with certain attacks before you carry out that action, your turn is canceled. Yeah. Generally, he- it works that stronger attacks take longer. Not always, but generally. <laughs> and by putting points into them, you can make them come out faster. And some of the skills actually have the ability to also cancel, too. Yeah, most any skill attack will cancel. Mm-hmm. And most most physical skills require that you run across the map in order to physically hit something, which works if you're arranged, but if you're, say, Ryudo and you've got to go bash something with your sword, you have to physically run up and do that. So that can take additional time if you have to chase across half the field in order to catch the enemy you're after. And no, if you there's an enemy in the way... Now, also remember, if um, if you were too far away, you would stop, you know, you only could go so far, so if an enemy was, like, way across the field... You wouldn't even make it there, and you'd stop and be like, oh, you wasted your turn. Yeah, Fan- fans of Lunar will notice that a lot of these are evolutions of ideas that exist in the Lunar games, but are not fully fleshed out. The entire, like, magic coin system is, like, straight up pulled from Lunar 2's magic experience system. And the battle, ra- like, the attack ranges are very similar to Lunar, but it didn't really work as well in Lunar because you just didn't have a lot of choice in how in how far you were going to move. OG Lunar 2 or Lunar 2 on the PS1? OG Lunar 2. Okay. Yeah, OG uh, Lunar 2 on the PS1 did not have that. Yeah. OG Lunar 2 has a system that behaves very similarly to how magic uh, mana eggs work in this. And I remember Victor Ireland saying that they got a lot of hate for implementing it at the time. Well, what, what Victor Ireland implemented was that you had to pay the same thing in order to save, which was you could just (laughs) save anywhere in the Japanese version. Did he ever say why, or is that just being hard for the sake of being hard? Uh, He Uh, said something about he wanted, (laughs) he said that they'd always wanted to implement a mechanic like this to make it cost something to save. And you can, read whatever the hell you want out of that yeah no um i've i've said this before that it should never be a hassle to be able to to continue your progress in any game this is why i've hated the ink ribbon system in all resident evils and they haven't done that in years yeah but at at the time it was still like it it gave me so much anxiety not knowing if i was going to be able to continue my game or not if i was going to run out of ink ribbons I feel like if I mentioned the one game I'm thinking of right now, it would it might fill you with outrage just by the concept of it. 
there's a Saturn game where you have to that it records how much energy you have to save and load the game. You can reach a point where you don't have enough energy to load the game. Oh no. Oh. No. Oh. Okay, that well, that's no enough. Is that enemy zero? Yeah, that's enemy zero. Okay. Uh. God rest your soul, Kenji, you know. Um <laughs> at but... the very least we can say it's not it is still unlike anything else. Oh yeah, definitely. But uh yeah. Uh, working design philosophy kind of clashes with that. Uh, like Grandia One, save points in this are just go to go to the save point, save as much as you want. In fact, have all of your health and magic back as well. <laughs> I also remember really liking the navigation and the system in the game where it had a compass that pointed you where to where you needed to go at all times. Yeah, just if you're in a linear dungeon, it points you to where you need to go, and actually, like the needle will spin faster the closer you are to the exit is also nice yes it speeds up that's fun this makes it very clear how much more dungeon you're having to work through before you reach another like break point and just in case we didn't mention this uh enemies are visible and if you can get the first attack in on them then they start way back on the meter allowing you to smack them really hard for a bit yeah and of course they can do the same to you <laughs> yeah. and that's that's one of the small detriments to having a full party is that instead of everybody can you're the long going... party following you <laughs> <laughs> no, but people don't go into Ryudo's pockets. Uh, yeah, well, was, I got hit a, a lot of times. Game too, though. So, yep, that's true. Merrick, I appreciate you being in battle, but your giant hitbox is making things worse for me. <laughs> so, do we want to go into the story? Just kind of a brief—I don't want to say Twitter summary, but just a brief summary of what goes down in the game. I mean, we yeah, can. I, I, yeah. I can. I can easily do that. Well, you know, yeah, pick. <laughs> I thought it was a cool story, and even though I did kind of guess a lot of the twists that were shown, it is a very archetypally 2000 JRPG plot. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah. Well, I I said it before, and I will say it now, just for the sake of it. This is the only game I have come up on where you get to fight the Pope. Um, oh, Final you have played Assassin's Creed too. Um, no, I haven't. I think Final <laughs> Fantasy 13, you fight a Pope. Yes, you fight like God. I can't remember if you fight a proper Pope. He, he's He's kind of a pope and kind of a god at the same time. But 14, you do fight the pope. See, we're still, we, we never left 2000 if we really think about it. <laughs> yeah. But, um. Well, listen, I, back when this game was made, the pope was John Paul II and carried slightly different connotations than playing it now. I'm still just like, I, I remember, I believe his his first name is Innocentious, which makes it even funnier. <laughs> Me, Pope good boy. Well, I mean, the whole basis of the game is that, you know, you're basically a mercenary escorting this girl around to different sites for the evil god was sealed that ends up breaking all of these seals only to find out that secretly all along the pope wanted the power yeah there's some complicated things about uh the the battle between their god and satan that was basically like yeah they're both dead oops <laughs> and the pope and in his in infinite wisdom determines that oh we can't have a religion if our if Valmar, our evil god, doesn't exist to compel obedience and fear. So I must revive him with myself as the new soul. He's like his uh, his other thing is that like I think because like it is not uh, told to the lay people that Granus died in this fight. Granus being God here, uh, the good it is god. not yeah the good one. Uh, Granus is not it, like it's only like the high level members of this uh, totally not catholic church that uh know that oh yeah no granite 
Grannis died in that fight, and, like, Valmar, like, kind of died, but all of his body parts are still around. We just put him in orbs and saw what happened. Well, except for the heart, which was being used by the second command of the church. Yeah, but presumably that was in the, that was in an orb at some stage. Probably. They don't but, really yeah. go into how she got it. They just go and, oh, I have it. It explains a great deal about her actions. We'll put it that way. Uh I still say the uh, the eye, because uh, I think I've mentioned this before in other casts and whatnot. I have a thing with, like, disembodied eyes, oh, and no. I blame Grandia, too. We've got more oh, dis- we've got more eye discussion upcoming later. Though. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, because that's weird. I felt the same way about that dungeon, but we'll, we'll get into that. So basically, the gist of this game story is Mercenary Escort's Girl to a ceremony to i was the ceremony to seal the wings of elmar the ceremony was supposed to reinforce the seal yeah ceremony was supposed to reinforce the seal instead it let them out and they kind of embedded into the girl her name yeah like the wings embedded into the lady (laughs) um her her name is elena by the way and the mercenary is named ryudo and he is a geohound and a geohound is a mercenary and people don't like geohounds for some yeah, they, really like, they, don't, they don't even go into, like, any of that with the Geohound. It's like, oh, he's a Geohound, no one likes him. It's like, okay, why? Why don't yeah. people like the Geohounds? So, you're, you're going around the world. anti-mercenary prejudice in, the, in this world? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, people don't really like mercenaries in real life, but yeah. <laughs> so, you're going around the world, you're trying to find all of these other pieces of this dark god, Valimar. And at, at the beginning, um, Elena disappears, and all of a sudden, this girl named Millennia shows up, and she's kind of a demon girl, and she's like the embodiment of the wings of Valimar. And for some reason, every time Elena disappears, this Millennia girl shows up, and it turns out that Millennia is the wings of Valimar. That's the like other side of the personality of Elena. And I thankfully, can't the game doesn't treat this like a twist, and just shows M- uh, Millennia transform back into Elena after the second dungeon. Yeah. They said they were setting it up like it was supposed to be a twist, but up until then, it's, you know, very much, well, will you never see the two in the same room at the same time? Something's going on here. But yeah, they don't hold that out for more than two hours, thankfully, or else it would just be kind of insulting. <laughs> yeah, but y- you go find all the pieces and you take the pieces because the Pope tells you to go find all the pieces of the God. So you find him and yeah. you bring him back to the Pope. And oh no, the Pope is bad. Time to go beat up the Pope. <laughs> uh, of course, I, I saw that twist coming from a mile away just because the Pope just seemed way too eager to have all the pieces back of this death God. Yeah, even in even in 2000, just like, oh man, a significant religious figure in my JRPG. I don't see this. I don't see how this could turn out poorly. Yeah. And I know I'm being very sarcastic about the story. The story actually is really good, and the nuance of the story is really good, particularly with the characters and the stuff with Melfus, um, Ryoto's brother. Yeah. It's just the overall arching story of go, go to a town, town has problem, problem involves some piece of Elmar, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, game art was kind of like their thing was to take a very base or cliche premise and like just execute it on it so well that it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah but the the over the overarching story and the interplay of the characters was well written. Is just the basis that that all was done within is very archaic and cliche. Mm-hmm. I will the say, however, that this, time. this game has a bafflingly good dub for 2000. Yeah. Um, well, Ryudo is voiced by good old Cam Clark. 
the good old Jimmy Leonardo. <laughs> Leonardo the Ninja Turtle? Liquid yep. Snake? Sure enough. Yeah, he's, he's a, the voice actually of some... almost the entire cast is alums from Metal Gear Solid 1. Yeah, and that's what blew me away about this game when I first played it. Like, wait, is that the Colonel as the bird? Yep. No, and it's, uh, it's Liquid Snake as the, as the guy. He's the guy. And then I, I can't remember who else was all voices. I, I think uh, Mei Ling see. was one. Mei Ling is the robot T.O. Uh, one of the characters, Malphus, is actually, he's John Segan, who was not in Metal Gear Solid 1, but was in Metal Gear Solid 2 as one of the protagonist's evil brothers. So uh, that was fun. Um, but yeah, um, oh, what was the other thing? Uh, oh yeah, and some of the char- people that weren't from Metal Gear were just like really experienced like cartoon voice actors. Like Millennia is the voice of Ariel from The Little Mermaid. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Like, what, what, if, what, if, what if Ariel was evil? Well, Melania yeah. isn't quite evil. Yeah, yeah. She she is not evil after the first couple of chapters, but... Cha- chaotic neutral. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but, listen, that's, that's the spoilers. Oh, wait, we already spoiled the entire plot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, no, but, you know, like, all of them are, you know, taking... Oh, wait. And, like, we, we didn't talk about Rowan. Oh, yeah, Rowan, who is, uh, I think, BJ Ward? Something like that. And his incredibly deep character arc. Uh, of, uh, well, it's actually a pretty good character arc there of like, oh yeah, our, our, my entire civilization was like, yeah, we're we're all in Valmar's corner and now we've been kind of suffering from that for prejudices for like a thousand years. Um, when, but... I, when I first played this game, I actually thought Ron's English voice actor was Tails. And then when I looked it up later, that wasn't the case, but it sure sounded like him. Except, uh, except capable of like reading a script without uh, being confused because the people they were having voice tales at the time were literal children. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a really strong voice cast with like a really actually well localized script that's actually very funny most of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and well directed yeah, too. Ryudo has yeah. a lot of snark that he deploys. Like, he is, like, equal parts, like, snarky and sort of whiny in ways that fits uh, Cam Clark's very unique tone. So, it's, uh, it's, it's incredibly funny. It's, like, it's very entertaining to just have these, listen to these characters, like, talk to each other. So, it helps a lot. I mean, I, I could listen to Cam Clark read the phone book and still be entertained. <laughs> Uh, Did he do that in a Ninja Turtles episode? It's possible. Some of they, them are they pretty. Well could. <laughs> you could just you could just pay him on cameo to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a it's a wonder. Like it does not. It is a perfect summation of the fact that it doesn't matter if you know where the story is going, as long as it's interesting while it's getting there. And boy, is it interesting! It's it's about the journey, not so much the destination. One thing I, I do like I is can... that. Oh god, sorry. Go ahead, oh. Dan. Oh no, I said I was just agreeing with that. And it, it, it's it, the journey. The journey was definitely, um, you know, more the more uh, than this, just the sum of its parts. Um, you know, the journey with the characters, seeing the evolution, because the characters actually had growth through the game and not just stayed these static lumps the whole time. So I mean, you actually got yeah. This- Ryuto's development mainly came when Melfus came along. <laughs> kind of needed that. But- <laughs> But they did that, and that's the yep, thing. You know, some did. games yeah. you never see any character development in anyone. Even even uh, Millennia, for some reason, oh, in Millennia my head, I like always really called her Minerva. Arc. I don't know why, but even she had character development, and she was e- supposed to be evil. They had well, to act, sympathetic. She, she and Elena had some very interesting 
interactions once they were finally able to do that. One of my favorite things, actually, <laughs> that I was thinking of that they do with that is that uh, the party ends up realizing that Millennia and Elena are the same person long before they're willing to reveal that to Millennia, to, to Elena. Millennia, of course, knows, but Elena is not aware of it, and the party kind of doesn't want to tell her for a fair portion of the game. And uh, because they don't want to, they don't want to upset her mental state. Yeah, they don't want to freak her out. What she feels about Valmar. Yeah, so they, uh, but once uh, you know, it slowly, eventually creeps up on her that oh, this is the case. I, I am possessed, and eventually, like she and Millennia, you know, develop an actual interesting relationship and do actually uh, become you know friendly. Friends might be a strong word, but they become friendly. It's a, it's a very interesting arc to have play out over the course of the game, simply because the two characters are learning about each other despite not being able to share a scene for most of the game. Yeah, they, they also um, gotta do the cliche of fighting over Ryudo. They gotta, and then at the end, <laughs> spoilers, no one, no one is sure who won. <laughs> <laughs> This is very true. No, like even even after the end, no one's sure who really won that one. The fight, the end of the game is both of them convinced that Ryuta will one day return to them in particular. Like one, they're both sure that Ryuta will come back for each of them individually, and both are one hundred percent unshakable in this confidence. And then we don't get to see what happens. Make your own get, make, draw your own conclusions, viewer. Fanfiction. Hey, yeah, I was gonna say it opens the door for fanfiction, and that's the real ending. Oh, there's a there's a <laughs> lot of room to just draw off of that if you decided you wanted to. <laughs> oh, I'm sure people have. But it's okay because Millennia became so, so much nicer that she's actually not an abusive school teacher. <laughs> she's just yeah. a regular school teacher. <laughs> and and I appreciate that, was that a great they, twist. I appreciate that they gave her enough character gr- growth that you think that she's going to be this villain throughout the entire game, and then she you actually find out that she does have a heart and she does care. I really like one of the things that they do from the start is that like she's actually good with kids. Like that's the thing that like sort of opens up the idea of like well she doesn't clear she clearly doesn't categorically think of people as completely expendable because like children she's fine with, and so they kind of wrap that up by having her become a teacher where she's like constantly helping children yeah i mean one of the earlier times you see her is um what is it when they first meet rowan and yeah. he he's lost he's lost something and needs people to go like look in the mines album. for it yeah he's lost a family and everybody's like no we don't need to go do that ryudo is absolutely not going to do that no nope. yeah point in the like, game. yeah that's that's not we're not going around looking for jewelry or whatever and yeah she's the She's the reason why they go do it. Yeah. And like that that's also like they Rowan is the one that sets up the idea that okay, maybe she's maybe she's okay underneath it cuz like he's the one that's very insistent that like but she seems so nice. She can't be all bad. And it's like okay, yeah, you've got a point, kid. <laughs> And Ryoto is kind of a bastard through the first part of the game, but I find myself not hating him like I've hated other characters like that in other games. And maybe that's why Geo Hounds are not very well looked upon in this world. <laughs> like he's he is clearly the product of like man, I'm just done with it as opposed to being merely like whiny. It's just like okay, I you know 
when you find out his backstory, it's like, well, that's a lot of tragedy for a 15-year-old to deal with. And then it's like, well, and then he spent the next three or so years just sort of uh, wandering around, uh, wandering around and being spat on for mercenary work. So you can kind of see why he's uh, pretty done with it all. Jaded. Yeah, it, it, it seemed like games in that era after Cloud really wanted to make their protagonist unlikable. And th- they tried that with Ryoto, but he still felt likable, even though he could be pretty mean to Alina in some of the first parts of that game. Ryuto works because, unlike most of them, when, like, because, you know, the the unsympathetic, like, moody protagonist, you know, it worked in, it worked in FF7 because the point is that he's unlikable and that other people are having issues with him. And it works in Grandia 2 because he's actually fairly funny most of the time. If the script had not been as well localized as it was, he would probably he would have come be across a as just a jerk. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he does have a lot of snark, which is well deployed. Yeah, well deployed snark. Um, so, is there anything else we want to kind of get into gameplay or story wise before we take a break and go do our roundtable? Well, we haven't talked about the music yet, have we? Uh, music part of the roundtable now. Oh, okay. Sorry, I forgot to explain kind of the newer format. We tried it with Undertale last week, and it worked really well, so we're trying it going forward. Well, let's see. We we just mentioned Tio and Merrick. I don't know if we want to go in. There's not a whole lot to say else that I can think of about them, but they are there as characters. I mean, they're they're good characters. They're not as central to the narrative, but their their narratives are tied up in each other. And, like, let's leave some surprises if people t- decide to play this. <laughs> Kelly's not going to leave one surprise, so... Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. It's all about spoilers on RPG Batch. <laughs> Everyone play this game. I'll fight you. Yeah, we'll, we'll I, also get I think that is... Get it. David's that left is arm will fight fair you. David's eyeball will fight you. <laughs> David's heart will fight you. Does David have wings? Because they'll fight, too. They uh, will. I've got shoulder blades, though, so, I mean, those could try. <laughs> that, that is our uh, real Earth-adjacent body part. There you go. But, uh, that if he took said, his shoulder blades out, they would probably look as disgusting as some of the uh, things that you have to fight in Grandia too. Oh, oh boy. God. We'll get into that in the more memorable <laughs> moments, at least for me. Oh, that's memorable, all right. But uh, I guess we'll be, be back after a short musical interlude to get into the uh, RPG roundtable. Welcome back to RPG Backtrack Part 2, where we're getting into our RPG roundtable. Um, just kind of going around the room, talking, having different questions about Grandia 2, talking about our favorite moments, our favorite characters, our favorite music. Um, I, I'll try to throw a curveball at the end of every single episode till just so that it's not the same every single time. Um, even though if you guys see the sheet, you can see my curveball, but regardless... 
Um, just starting out with the first question, what was your favorite moment from the game? I, I had funniest moment from last week, but just the thing that you remember the most about the game. Uh, start out with David. Uh, well, I don't want to steal someone's thunder, but uh, I will say that the moment that I think makes a lot of people fall in love with the game is the dungeon early on where you're tracking down the Eye of Valmar. Oh, which is it's okay you can steal my thunder <laughs> the entire the entire plot around it is the first time that you're really getting an idea of what this entire journey is going to entail you get a broader sense of like where the first time you see millennia you mostly get an idea of her as like the uh sort of uh playful villain She's much more menacing in the storyline, although we still see a bit of her capacity to be human, for want of a better term. Uh, but just, like, the, the entire premise is just, like, child born blind, mother prays desperately for something to fix that, and child suddenly grows evil devil eye, can see everything, can see maybe too much. Uh, entire town is like, hmm, your creepy devil eye makes us uncomfortable. Maybe we should call, like, the church guards. The church guards are like, we must kill this child. We have to. Uh, and then you follow the child into her, like, weird combination, like, eye cave slash garden and uh have a very difficult boss fight with a big old eyeball um it's it's very memorable it's like it's kind of the game's like immediate promise of like how interesting the writing can be and generally like it, it just showcases a lot of what's great about the game and is fairly early on which makes it very memorable yeah, so I, I I used to play games very late at night back then because I was a night shift worker. And I remember playing that game and getting to that part and being so freaked out when that eyeball opened because I don't like eyeballs. They, <laughs> they creep me out. They, they unsettle me very much. So having that boss fight happen that late at night, it's like, I don't want to go to bed because I'm just going to dream about this shit all night. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have to keep playing. Yeah, yeah, and this was before YouTube, so I couldn't just, like, watch a cat video as a palate cleanser. Ah, uh, 2000, the Dark Ages. Yes, very dark. Yeah, yeah um, oh, oh, let me play off this, since this was the one I was going to talk about anyway. Um, I'll, I'll focus at the end. The end of the storyline is, um, you know, you're, you're going around and you're defeating the different parts of Valmar, and actually, Millennia is absorbing them as the wings... Yeah. She can absorb the other parts and take them like into the, her. The parts of Valmar seek to reconstruct in their own way, and they kind of fight for dominance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So at the end, they kind of realize, like, well, this girl's being, you know, she's being possessed by the eyeball, or the eyeball's on her. Um, and, you know, Millennia's going to have to take it. That's, that's Millennia's like, I'm going to eat her. I'm going to eat her soul, and then I'm going to have the, the eye. Mm-hmm. And the girl's okay with it. They, she's like, you know, she understands. Um, and so she does it, and she takes the eye, and the daughter, like, falls into a coma. She's not, like, dead dead, right? She's if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she's a vegetable. And But Millennia, like, points out that there's a flower still in this garden. And she points out that the flower is the girl's soul, and that her soul may return if the garden ends up blooming again. And then later you, I mean, you get a little scene with her where she claims to Ryudo that she was actually lying. Like 
she's like, yeah, you know, I said that to make the mom feel better and everything, but that won't happen. Um, but Ryudo doesn't really believe her. Um, and I think at the end of the game, you see the girl alive again. Yeah. Yep. In the in the epilogue, which is really nice because you can actually just wander around and talk to the people in the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. The 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 girl is back, and you can I don't remember if you can check, but the 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 garden bloom. <laughs> and it returned her soul. So it's one of those things like uh, you could say uh, you could you could argue about what kind of lie Millennia was telling. The idea that she personally did not believe it would be possible to actually cause the garden to bloom enough to return the soul or not. But point of point of fact, the garden yeah, I mean, bloomed, the soul came back. Yeah, I mean, at the point, Millennia's like thinking that she's just going to become Valmar anyway. So sounds like a good time. Yeah. You know, might, might as well tell a little lie and you know get people's helps up because I'm just going to become this big bad person and I'll anyway. I'll destroy them even more. Yes, exactly. The whole time. <laughs> so yeah, good that somebody else mentioned this too. I really liked that part. That, that was that was the little you know kind of kind of like the Dragon Quests and lots of JRPGs go town to town solving the problem. That town was my memorable one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will definitely. Oh. Sorry, I, I I did think that this game was a little bit Dragon Questy, which with the whole each town has its own problem to solve that culminates into a boss fight not that that's a bad thing i i like that trope it's a great structure it's like an episode of a tv show or something yeah Bra- bravely default two's like that right now mm-hmm. i'm still trying to get through it um but yeah uh robert you were about ready to speak up what's your most memorable moment so well uh, uh, there's two and I, f- I forget a little bit of the context for the second one but definitely the eyeball dungeon um i uh, going into this i actually wasn't quite like creeped out with eyeballs but after that yes no no disembodied eyes in fact um working for a medical lab one time uh for an interview for a different promotion um they asked me like would you have a problem going and you know touching you know grabbing body parts if you need to i'm like no Probably not, except for eyes. Definitely would have issue with eyes. They creep me right the hell out. <laughs> and I, I blame Grandia too, uh, just because of that dungeon. Because that, that would, that would, no, no, just no. Um, this, but my, my actual favorite moment is, um, as was mentioned, um, you know, the whole point was the body parts of Valmar, or Valmar, whatever his name is, are supposed to like fight for dominance and sort of absorb each other and i forget at what point it was but late in the game millennia sort of has this fear that she's going to lose herself by you know after absorbing too many of the pieces that she would no longer be really what makes her as an individual separate from valmar Mm -hmm. and that was the part that i really felt was the for me the memorable moment was besides of course the eyeball thing not going to forget that <laughs> no that is a great scene though because you know this is a character you know you see her over and over again being like yeah i'm going to absorb the person you know absorb it absorb it you know i'm going to you know fight for and win you know win against all the other parts and all that and then you have this scene with her where you know all through the game she's been you know singly focused on that one mission and then she is she for the first time is showing that she's scared that you know if she succeeds will she stop being herself and and i really thought that moment was a really good emotional connection that they were trying to make with 
players and for and for me it definitely there was at least a, you know I felt bad for her as a player um it didn't make me cry which is a whole different story but you know I still felt bad for her because you know you did kind of come to know her as an individual despite being you know merged together with Elena the whole time she still had her own personality her own you know desires and whatnot and she had her own fears that she would no longer be that person if she fulfilled this mission and I and I really liked that scene. Well put. Oh, the demon girl has feelings after all. That's a lot of the game, but it's good, so it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, Mike, do you have one? Yeah, I've got I've got one here. Actually, a couple. The moment that sticks with me most would actually be when Melthus shows shows up on the scene, corrupted by the horn of Valmar, and that leads to some uncomfortable reminiscence by Ryudo. And a rather tough fight before the horn of Valmar winds up in Ryudo instead after Melthus dies. Because that's the only way you get that's the only way you get rid of a piece of Valmar by death. But I also remember this would have been early 2003 when I was playing it. I was playing the game in a dorm room, and merely the prospect of taking on the Pope in a battle got people to watch for a little bit. (laughs) That's awesome! Hey, check it out! You're fighting the Pope. He just sort of looks like a pope. Yeah, and once he's part of Valmar, he doesn't look much of anything like a pope anymore. He doesn't but... look like a person at that point. <laughs> no. Beforehand, he just looks like a pope. So yes, that that part I remember just for the mere fact that people were thrilled by it. And and the pope at the time was well-loved. Yeah, John Paul II was a lot of things, but he was... Well... It was a much more transgressive move to make at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pope Francis is a good fellow, but the church just doesn't have the same cash it once did. Uh, funny how that works. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that's it's super memorable just because it's like mo- most games would have you fight like some sort of representation of God rather than a direct religious figure that looks a lot more like something you'd see in real life. And bear in mind, this was before uh, Shimigami Tensei was really popular in the U.S. too. Yeah, and it would take a long time for uh, Shimigami Tensei's that were released in the U.S. to reach uh, representations of something that people would care about killing, yeah. <laughs> at least in uh, among uh, American Christians. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if Shimagami Tensei would have lasted long in the U.S. if it would have been popular back then, like it is now. I mean, there's there's a reason that they uh, were doing some heavy monkeying with localization at that time. <laughs> <laughs> But, well, if they'd uh, tried bringing over the first couple of Shin Megami Tenseis on the Super Famicom, then we probably would have gotten to see even more spirited protests against video games. It's not just the violence. Look at what they're doing to our children. It's asking them to fight God. That just cannot be born. No, I mean, the story. real reason you shouldn't let children play Shin Megami Tensei 1 and 2 is that they're not fun. Hey, I I take issue. I mean, yeah, one is kind of (laughs) hard, but two, I'll take issue with because I found two to be really fun. I'm being I'm being mean. I think that one has aged very very poorly. No, you're right. It's aged like milk. But two is a really good game. But this I'll attempt to reevaluate two then. Um, my favorite. Say what? We're here for Grandia. Yeah. Um, my favorite moment in the game was Marek's sacrifice. Oh, yeah. 
on uh, the moon. Get, yeah, on the moon, getting overrun by monsters, and he just tells everybody to go go ahead, and he starts fighting all the monsters, and then has a sends a prayer out to Granis that if he has any strength left to get the, everybody else to safety, and then the ship launches, and you you get it to safety, but Merrick doesn't make it, and that made me sad. Not only because I kind of liked Merrick as a character, even though I got tired of him ta- always bitching about the smell. Um, you know, he was a good character. He could hit like a tank. Oh, yeah, no, he's, and, you know, I think that that actually, you know, they, they get something good out of his death because, like, that's used to make Tio, like, a more actualized character, but it is one of those things where it's like, oh, it's, it sucks to see you go. <laughs> and then just for kind of a funny moment, you know, Sky has, the Eagle has some pretty good lines, and I was just watching a YouTube compilation of some of the best best lines in the game, and one of them was uh, someone calling, going, here, birdie, birdie, here, birdie, birdie, want some food? And Sky goes, oh my, breadcrumbs, how delectable. Ryoto, stop laughing, it's not humorous, this happens everywhere we go. And that was hilarious to me, because I, I heard it in the colonel's voice. And just thinking about this poor bird, it's like, oh god, breadcrumbs again. I love that there's never an attempt even slightly made for explaining where the talking bird came from. None of the other birds in the game talk. It's just, eh. He's just your friend. But yeah, um, that will transition. I I didn't even question, I will admit, I didn't even question it. I was like, okay, talking bird next. But uh, transitioning into that, who was your favorite character? Start with Robert this time. I'm... Um, based on uh, some discussion we've already had, I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of deviation per se. Uh, mine was definitely Millennia, again, because of the fact, you know, I've, like, the story is this journey between Ryuto and Elena, but I feel like the actual main, char- the actual main character for the game was Millennia. Because she, and I think, it, and that whole scene, of, you know, I was just talking about for my favorite moment you know, really brought that to the forefront in my head where, yeah, Ryuto's kind of there as just the guard. And yeah, he has his main character moments too, but I've always felt she was more so of a main character than he was because, you know, the whole purpose of this journey is to, you know, reunite the pieces of Valmar and she's the one. And, you know, through it, she starts doubting, you know, should she really keep going through with this? Because, you know, she could end up losing herself. And then, uh, you know, the whole thing with the Horn of Valmar, you know, th- th- that complicates it too for her. So I, I've, I've really loved her as a character. Also, admittedly, this came out, you know, early 2000, and I was like 19, 20 years old. She was hot. I'm not going to deny this fact. Well said all around. Uh, she's definitely the most rounded character and uh, definitely was always my favorite as well. Yeah, I gotta go with the rest of the crowd. Um, I was originally gonna say Merig, just because I always tend to like the Beastman characters, but then the more I thought about it, it's like, I don't really remember Merig's arc, other than him being mad at Melfus and complaining about smells. He's kind of the stoic one in the party, who, like, anything that could happen to them has already happened, so he's mostly just driven by, well, what else do I do with my life at this stage? But yeah, M- Millennia, just everything about her is just awesome. And I love that she's snarky and you know, kind of a sexy character, but not really a bombshell, even though she does totally hit on Ryuto. And 
you know, you got the little cat fighting with her and Elena. But I just loved, I loved her, and I loved her design as a child or as as a teenager. Cute demon girl. Oh no, it's it's a very cute design. Mm-hmm. Her, I liked, I really liked her outfit. Honestly, it's really if you look at the official artwork, it's really complicated, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the polygons can't really do it justice. No, they don't. Um, all, I felt like all the characters were like that back in the day. But um, what what about you, Mike? You know, Millennia is awesome, but I'm actually going to give a little shout out to Elena here because especially when it's be near the end of the game and she stops being kind of the, the pious one note character and really reveals some depth. Like, she's not really a match for Millennia in terms of interesting character, but she's much more interesting than it would have seemed at the beginning. And I want to give her props. Perhaps for that. Oh, and I can see that. I, I think some of it with her is, especially as you near the late game, is she begins to question the, tr- you know, everything she was brought up believing. So she does, you know, that's sort of her growth as a character is her stepping out of the shell of the church. And and because, I mean, very early on, it's given to you that, you know, she was raised by the church. She, all she really knows is the church. And so between the journey and. And especially when she starts having interactions with Melania in, in their own head, you know, it, she really starts to question what the church is doing. And that really just becomes even more obvious once the Pope does his thing. Yeah. Well, real, I, was it the Pope that they ran into? It's been, uh, unfortunately, I'm spacing this bit. Was it the Pope first or was it the heart that sort of started clinching it because i thought you fought the heart before you knew the pope was batshit crazy i think you become aware of the heart before you fight the heart and you fight when you learn about the heart you also realize you don't haven't yet realized that the pope is in on it that's what i recall being the case okay yeah i I, that's what i vaguely remember was like you know the second command had the heart and you knew of the heart but you weren't uh, like you began to questions like how much how much of the church knows about this but you fought the heart before you find out okay i, I was remembering it right and again i've only played it once <laughs> my memory for games is very unique <laughs> um i think with matt last matt did you have a favorite character matt matt was banished to the shadow realm oh matt was banished to the mute realm <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I, yeah, guess, my, my... I guess this means no, he does not. <laughs> uh, my jokes from earlier uh, apparently went flat, unlike Millennia. Um, I was making jokes about wow. her round parts. And, uh, this is what I get for saying well-rounded, I guess. Yes, no, you said well-rounded, and, you know, they, there were comments made to the empty air, apparently, at that point. You just, like, but... you just immediately grew a spinning bow tie. <laughs> Oh, Which I was great because I, I wear bow ties well, all the time, so that's there. hilarious. <laughs> I, I was I was not going. Oh, I, I was not going to go there, but I did think some. So you were not in the loan. I was that, daring you for trying to, to class it, up the joint, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for trying to class up the joint. But that that's not the kind of joint I run here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on RPG Backtrack, we have no class. I mean, we're gonna, we're eventually going to do a Criminal Girls episode. So yeah, I, I mean, oh, you know, I, I, I missed that. Oh, I'm signed up for that one. One of these days, Criminal I, Girls, Mike. We're going to get into Criminal Girls. I'm sure I, you're going to love that, Matt. You're going to love getting into those Criminal Girls. <laughs> oh boy, I will. I will be on that. We can take that that comment away. <laughs> Run with I have that. that game in my in my backlog. I will play it for the show. I don't know how oh, I'm going to feel about it. I'll definitely give that a go. <laughs> 
reluctantly. For the criminal girls, I'll try. Try my best. <laughs> I'm already there. I'm already in the list. I will just be there like no one's business. <laughs> just make sure your wife doesn't see what you're playing, Matt. <laughs> it's on her account. <laughs> No, not mine. She she's uh, knee deep in the Pokemon Snap. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Oh, Her I thought you were doesn't talking have about a photo mode, right? You know, there's a way to take screenshots on the Vita, but I can't be there asked is. to tell you how. Oh, I know how to do that. I've got so many. I, I will say, I've got. I had so many screenshots on the Vita from like Trails Two and Three. And getting screenshots off a hacked Vita is quite the process. <laughs> I just remember during one of the Persona, I think it was Persona 4 Golden, I wanted to screenshot the uh, Drag Queen contest. And it was like, <laughs> how do you do that? Oh, it's a complicated series of buttons, kind of like on an Android device, but worse. Um, I know it's, you know, the, what is it, the button on the left, and then you either have to hit start or start and select at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it's all three or yes, yeah, something crazy like that. Um, th- thankfully, Good old Sony. Yeah, Sony. I I feel like the share button on most the most recent consoles have spoiled me very much. Oh yes, props to the people who have uh, made it easier. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do we have any favorite songs? Anybody chime in? I'll jump in. Back to uh, the Garden of Dreams, what we were talking about before. Uh, there's a song called The Garden of Dreams, The Mysterious Girl. Um, it's got a pretty cool buildup. It's scary. It, it sets the mood definitely very well. Um, you can play that thing in a haunted house and get the desired effect, I believe. Unless you want to be DMCA'd. <laughs> I don't know how, 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 how aggressive is game arts. There are no EA, I'm sure. Who owns, I mean, if you, who owns Grandia own, now? Like, gung-ho entertainment? Yeah, it'd be gung-ho, I believe. I don't think they care that much, but it's unclear. <laughs> I mean, if you're just playing it for, like, your own... Like, when you're passing out candy during Halloween or something, I'm sure nobody's gonna say anything. If they even knew. Yeah. I'd be concerned if they knew. Because I played... The kids the probably won't know. <laughs> I've played the Castlevania soundtrack while passing out candy before so there's that it's it's appropriate halloween music and you can't convince me otherwise Uh, i can i can can agree with that and it's a banger yeah um robert do you have a favorite song um unfortunately not um unfortunately when i was growing up um i either played late at night or out in the living room and my dad would be at his computer working so i often played with things muted so i don't, I cannot comment about soundtracks from most things before 2004. Yeah, this is how I am with a lot of portable games. Um, so I, I feel your pain. It's a shame you're missing a banger of a soundtrack. Speaking of banger, are we going back to uh, favorite characters? <laughs> Did you... Oh. <laughs> wah, wah. God. Um, I'll go back on mute now. David, do you have one? Uh, I don't know if I if it's my favorite, but whenever I think of the game, it's the battle music that enters my head. Yes, that that's what I put down as my favorite music. Not not only because it's memorable, but it, it ties into my memory that I'll get into later. But... Like if you if you ask me to think of a Grandia two song, my brain will just immediately go to not even the beginning of the battle music. It will go to the like bit in the middle with like the guitars just like and it's just like oh i guess that's just what my brain thinks of when it thinks of grandia 2 music Mm -hmm. just that particular part of that particular song (laughs) yeah no it's got a beat it's got a beat to it 
But when I point out in my memories what it sounds like, you're not going to be able to unhear it. But uh, Mike, did you have a favorite song? I can come up with a couple of candidates here. Um, I, I like that we haven't even mentioned Noriyuki Iwadare did the soundtrack because he, he does some rocket soundtracks for the most part. And this is another good rocket soundtrack. But what are the uh, games we know him from? Let's see. I don't know if anybody else there has played Longers or stuff. Yeah, I played the remakes that came out recently. And you're he right, did that, that music. That was very good music. Uh, he did the music for Phoenix Wright, Trials and Tribulations. That was good music. He did the music for, I think he did the music for the Growlonzer series. Not not surprised there, considering that's the same people who kind of did the Langris there. Yep. He's got, yeah, he's got kind of a, a list He, he of did the Lunar music. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, he's Lunar's got a long music. career. Again, with really good battle themes. Uh, but to me, if a game doesn't, if an RPG doesn't have a good battle theme, then it doesn't have memorable music overall. Because you're going to be hearing <laughs> that battle theme a lot. Well, Iwadare is really good at coming up with rock and battle theme. Oh, yeah, and he did the music for the for all the Grandia games, too. Funny that. Funny how that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, re- I really like the Moon of Valmar, which is a nice, creepy tune, which is effective considering that the Moon of Valmar is not a very nice place to be. But on the soundtrack CD, which, yes, I actually did have once upon a time, they did an edit of the song that Elena sings shortly before you go into the final dungeon to, to do battle with the Pope as Valmar. And I remember that they actually made the choice to have her sing in Portuguese in the game. Because it sounds it sounds foreign to Japanese, and for whatever reason, it was just working out really well with the compositions they were trying to do. And on the soundtrack album, it segues from that song, which is well, I can't I can't describe it very well because I don't have the musical terminology ready. But it's a very uplifting and inspirational tune, even though I don't speak Portuguese, so I don't fully understand what the heck she's saying. So, so would you say it's a concerto? I don't, I don't know. Think so. So, but I'd well, have to not, go back and listen to it again. Yeah, it would, well, it's definitely not an aria, because an aria is sort of a, similar to a ballad, but more haunting. I, I know some musical terminologies, but don't. But I, I think the one you're looking for may be concerto, but I don't know 100%. i have to listen to it again. It's been a little while. But it, it segues from that tune on the soundtrack CD directly into the final boss battle theme, which is indeed quite rocking and very, very good to listen to. And that really gets the guitars cranking and is, in, as it should be, something that pumped you up for taking on the Pope, trying to destroy the world of evil. Hey, if which you're going to take, take on the Pope, put on some rock music. I think that track is only called Battle 4. Because Iwadare likes to do that, but yeah. whatever, it works. Fight simple. version four. There we go. Fight version four. The final battle. Hey, at least you know on the soundtrack what song is the battle music. True. Yeah, and even the soundtrack albums were kind of interesting. One of them had Elena on the cover, the other had Millennia on the cover. Okay. Uh, back when I actually bought soundtrack CDs. That's been yeah, a while. I'm jealous. <laughs> Cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the Dreamcast game come with the soundtrack? It came with Some of a it. soundtrack. It, had, okay. it was a single disc with about 12 tracks on it, I think. Which, I mean, not bad, but... Okay. Because I, re- I thought sampling, I remembered yeah. having it. it. Yeah. But it was not the full soundtrack, and the full soundtrack is worth having, because Wadare tends to make a lot of really good music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely recommend having the soundtrack. I wonder if it's one of the ones that's uh, popped up on Spotify at all. Uh-huh. That'd be nice if it did. A lot of game soundtracks have been showing up on Spotify lately. I'm um, including all the Etrian Odyssey games, which 
Who boy, if you want some good music there. That comes from good old Yuzo Koshiro, yeah. There's another guy uh, who writes some damn good music. Uh, anyway, that's that's my musical spiel for now. And I, I think that was oh, everybody. Yes. No, no, I, I also have to mention this memory. Uh, I was traveling with my aunt and my grandfather in a car for a while and put the music from the Grandia 2 soundtrack on. And my aunt was actually interested in it for a while. Hey, that sounds pretty good. But... And then she heard it was from a video game, and her <laughs> her interest immediately shuts her, shuts down. Oh. oh wow! Does she not like video games, or is this just old person? Uh, she does. She didn't like video games. Okay. I think she plays things on her phone now, but I don't think she considers those video games. I was gonna say, I feel every grandma sets and plays stuff on their phone. Yeah, and if they don't, they're liars. Not my Or their iPad, or... Well, my grandma doesn't, but she's got dementia, so no. Well, mine doesn't, but she's dead. (laughs) And my other grandma also doesn't, but she's dead. (laughs) I'm thinking of my kids' grandparents, the ones that are, like, in their 50s, early 60s nowadays. Not our grandparents, they're long past that. (laughs) So you kind of did your favorite memory there, Mike, um... We could transition into this this discussion. So, what's your um, where were you in your life when you played through Grandia, and like, what are your main memories from the game itself? Not necessarily the moment, but just in general. Am I starting this time? I, th- I thought you'd, you'd kind of already said it, but okay. if you yeah. want to start again, yeah. When I played it the first time, that um, either nineteen or twenty, and that was the last summer. I went to community college for the first couple of years and then went to real university. So that was the last time that I was really at home for a while. And I enjoyed it very much playing it at home. Then I took it to college my after winter break. And the other, how else was I going to have the aforementioned crowd of people show up to watch me fight the Pope? And I think I played it one more time after I came back from study abroad. Uh, it has stuck in my mind for a good long while since, because this was back in the time when I would actually replay games. That almost never happens now. Mm-hmm. And it got at the time, I was relying on reviews that told me, hey, Grandia, I hadn't played Grandia 1 at this point. Hey, Grandia 2 is really good. Okay, give it a shot. Hey, yeah, they're right. It is really good. <laughs> And I was also trying to snatch up Dreamcast stuff right after the system died, and this was one of those that I snatched up because it felt better. Ah, the poor Dreamcast. Sega tried so hard. Uh, Maybe it's it's good we didn't have Mike on, otherwise we'd have too much Dreamcast hate. (laughs) You know, I think we can effectively derail him by just bringing up the 32X. Everyone can hate on that. Yeah, the 32X was a mistake. I wouldn't know. Didn't have one. I didn't have one either. I don't. I don't have to have one to look at its effect and say that was a bad thing. The Saturn wasn't much would... better. The Saturn's oh, problem was that they had horrible management. Uh, the I, I can't remember if Bernie Stoller was early Saturn or late Saturn, but the whole late Saturn. Okay. Early Saturn was when Sega of Japan was starting to crack down on Sega of America. You stop doing your your own thing. You will do what Sega of Japan tells you to do. Uh. What what killed the Saturn for me, I mean, aside from the 32X making it a stopgap, was them pretty much just abandoning all the franchises that made them popular on the uh, Genesis. It, it was like, you you morons, there's no Shining Force, there's no Fantasy Star. There's... We did get Shining Force eventually. Yeah, eventually. Though one one after, third, after it was third, dead in this hemisphere. Um, you yeah, know, no, nothing from Treasure. Uh, the whole 2D, no 2D thing could have really hurt them because the Saturn was a 2D powerhouse. And most of the many of the great games on the Saturn never came over. Princess Crown? 
that probably would have sold pretty well over here, but too late. Yeah. But that's not where that's not where they released Grandia Two. That's where they released Grandia One. <laughs> Which is actually how I played Grandia One on the Saturn. Wow. I did not know it was on the Saturn. That's what it was on first. Yeah, it kind of runs better there. And then Game Arts ported it to the PlayStation because the poor Saturn was dying and Game Arts wanted money. Mm-hmm. Would you blame them, really? Can't say if I blame them. Yeah. I mean, that's why they did it with Grandia Two. Yep. Yep. And then there were no more Sega consoles to put Grandia Extreme or Grandia Three on. So those actually just run fine natively on the PS2. <laughs> uh, Matt, do you have a memory? So I played this a little bit later, January 05, and the final battle is ridiculously memorable to me because I had moved back um, to Orlando and I was teaching in public schools at the time. But I spent um, half the 90s volunteering when I was in college at a local private school. And, you know, here I am battling the evil church and you know one sunday <laughs> one sunday i'm at church and run into a teacher that i used to volunteer with for years and years and she's like hey like i run that school now you should come work for me um she goes i think we're gonna have some job openings she goes wait till right after you know the beginning of the year and let me give you a call so yeah come end of january 05 i'm playing one day and my phone rings and i'm pretty sure ps2 there was not a way to like pause the battle um huh. you know you could just you just left it on your character select yeah um, yeah. yeah 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 you just didn't make a selection it, it but, depended on the game well well for this game that's what i'm saying there was yeah, no this like, game pause. no yeah, yeah. <laughs> and obviously consoles didn't have the uh hard the button, button, to, yeah. button back then back then so no, I had to like kind of do a tiny little job interview. I mean, I knew this lady well, so mm-hmm. while while the final boss waited to, to be defeated, uh, <laughs> I was getting hired to go into private school, which I've been at uh, ever since. At that point, so yes, the the end of this game was quite memorable. You couldn't pull a lady. I got serious shit going on over here. I know. I'm like, oh man, you know, I, I don't know where the remote. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you hear the background music. It's one of the tracks that we said was banging, definitely. And uh, just had to like, okay, nothing's going to happen. Let me go in the other room and uh, finish up this conversation. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, then, Robert, have, have we gotten to you yet? Sorry, I, if you had more, um, I didn't mean to cut um, you off there. I was going to say, I, I have multiple times, multiple times said on a different podcast, I believe, that I, I am someone who kind of like pause i never replay a game it is other than dragon quest i think i can count on like one or two hands tops how many games i've replayed all the way through um and this one i played last summer when it came out for the switch i bought it day one like hour one i was online at like noon like why isn't this downloading why can't i hit the purchase button what's wrong with this um and shut up and take my money exactly Yeah, blew through Grandia 1 right when it came out. Started Grandia 2, but then got a review game, got something else going on. But yeah, when we did our big Grandia episode last summer, that got me back on it for a couple weeks and got just really good games. This is a top three RPG series for me, like overall. Just And the battle system's a big part, but and this, this game had, you know, extreme gets to be just dungeon crawling and three story, who the fuck cares about that you just got a good song at the beginning but no the, this one's consistent all the way through really good stuff yeah this and the first one were definitely very consistent mm-hmm. um so for me um i actually played this 
twice. Um, so the first time, um, still fairly fresh out of high school, um, I was uh, working fast food at the mall, taking classes at community college, didn't really have much direction in my life at the time. And so, you know, I had I I had no I had almost no bills because I was living at home and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to go to college and whatnot. So I was picking up a lot of games. Uh, I picked this one up and I, I played through quite a bit of it. I don't remember like the specifics going on in my life because, I mean, I again didn't have a whole lot of like direction direction. And so I got to last boss and I felt I was under leveled mm-hmm. for it because um, I will say one of my uh, do we have a thing for least favorite moments? Sure. <laughs> so, least favorite moment is getting to the last boss and realizing it's a three. Uh, it, you only have three total party members instead of your usual four. So it's Ryota, Millennia, and Elena, right? Yes. Yep. Where you spent most of the game with like you know the one of the two girls, but they they basically level off of each other, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. And then your two other characters, and so I'm I'm like, well, crap. So I got the I got my butt handed to me because I um so flash forward a couple years um I was actually up in Groton Connecticut and I I was in between games so I plopped this one in and it's like okay I'm gonna beat this game and I I got and so I did I spent a little extra time leveling and allocating skills and whatnot and I was able to beat it uh, up in Groton and I want to say it was fall and unfortunately um, I was on medical hold for the military, so again, not much really going on in my life at that time. But you know, I still, I, enjoy, I mean, I at least enjoyed the game enough to want to go back to it, and I, and that says something. Mm-hmm. Um, did it, did I get to David? I don't think I got to David. It's not too much to say, as I mentioned, uh, I believe on uh, on recording. Like I was, uh, no wait, I don't think I was on recording when I mentioned this. Uh, I was, you know, like. 13 or so when I played this. It was as, oh, as, wow. the, as the baby of this group, which means not <laughs> not as... Yeah, whatever. Point is... It's okay. We're not ageist here. But it was, snapper. Uh, <laughs> in any case, the point is, uh, you know, this was the game that caused me to want a Dreamcast. I got a Dreamcast when they were on file, fire sale prices of like $50 per... And you know, Dreamcast games were also very cheap. Grabbed this, like couldn't couldn't be more excited, and you know, devoured it. And then you know, over the years, I've just sort of played through every extant version of it, mm-hmm. and you know, not always just once. Like this is just one of my favorite things to go back to. I just think that it's really good. So you know, not not tied to a specific time. It's just one of those things I keep coming back to. So. Did I think I think I got everybody but me? Um, I don't really have specific too many specific memories tied to this game. It can't. I was playing it at around 2002. I was 20. Um, I I too bought it in one of the many Dreamcast fire sales that was going around where DEB Games at the time was blowing out the games their Dreamcast games for just pennies on the dollar. So I had picked it up because I. <laughs> I was really into RPGs at the time and, you know, found myself liking the game. And my specific memory is that 
um, the family PC for some reason was in my bed because we didn't have a lot of room. we didn't have a lot of room, and I was in college, so I was like doing a lot of projects and stuff. So it just made sense that I had access to the PC. So my sister was in the my bedroom one day on the PC, and I was playing the game, and I get into a fight, and she's like, "Are you playing a sports game?" And I said, "No, <laughs> why not? Or what do you mean?" And she's like, "That." That music sounds just like the NBA basketball theme. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I, I, you know, one day they just happened to turn it on to NBA basketball and that theme plays. Uh, and I listen to it and it's like, my God, you're right. It is the NBA. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit different, but it's close enough to where if you listen to them back to back, it's almost the same and once you hear it you can't unhear it uh the, the song is called round ball rock it was written by john tesh and yeah if you google that or youtube that song and then youtube fight one they they sound very similar and i've never been able to unpair those two and i've just I, i've done this before with other video game tracks i think i ruined um the one main field music in xenoblade chronicles for scar because i told him that it sounds like dancing queen and he messaged me later it's like now i can't unhear it thanks well i'm just imagining like ryudo and company doing sick dunks so <laughs> Oh, well, with some of those combat skills, you know, they could be. If you put that music over some basketball footage, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I'm telling you. All I'm saying is that I now I want this. Like, I want the basketball game starring the Grandia 2 cast. Yeah. (laughs) Mod for NBA Jam. So, who knows? From downtown. If those in Japan are inspired by American sports music. It wouldn't surprise me. Well, um, Oops, it's not the first time I've heard something like that. The <laughs> the, ending, the ending song for Full Metal Panic for Mufu is very similar to um, an American song that was released many years before it. It's like like the music itself, not the words, but the music itself is like one for one almost. <laughs> so it, it does not surprise me when they do that. And I mean, it's it's really easy to kind of, you know, have musical themes and stuff kind of crib from each other. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. But it, it just it was a thing that was pointed out to me that was amusing as hell that I like sharing with people because I like sharing my pain. Well, not really pain, but you, you know what I mean. Uh, okay, let me tell you, the first 10 seconds, man, those could be pretty darn identical. I'm sitting here listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> When it gets into the da 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 da, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean the fir- those first ten seconds of both of those, and man, I was a big NBA watcher in the late '90s, and yeah, that song is embedded into my head. <laughs> Loving watching John Tesh jump around stage while like an entire symphony is playing it behind him. Yeah, that that video I cropped that it clip to the right is part. cracked. Yeah, yeah. Um, that video was also hilarious because John Tesh, um, or like when he came up with the idea for that song, he called himself and put was singing the tune on the answering machine, and he brought the original <laughs> tape. Um, oh, jeez. Kids, for those of you that weren't alive in the 90s, answering machines were pretty much like a dinosaur version of voicemail. <laughs> it had a cassette. <laughs> oh, God, now I need to explain cassettes. I'm old. Um Let's let's uh have, have our final question and kind of a lightning round, um just just real quick round the room Grandia one or two one 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 for story two for characters I think I'll go with one but it's a close call 
Yeah. Yeah. Alone. I I'm too. I always like I I like one, but I just two resonated with me more, and I think it was the more mature story. I understand. Wait a minute. We were peeping on three girls in the dressing room, in one. <laughs> that Shut wasn't down. a mature enough story. Look, I, I, I wasn't really. You also was, grabbed. I, you also grabbed Fina's butt. Look, I was. I wasn't really there with my bisexuality that back then. It was. It wasn't until I played Final Fantasy X Tube when I really came to terms with that. So. What an instructive game. Yes. <laughs> I think we should. We can be glad that Phil isn't here, or else he would start singing. Oh, yeah, we're all better off. What did I do for you? You didn't have to do that. Yeah, that was. What do you say, Tam? I can't hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're both banned. So yeah, Grandia. Oh well, there you go, Grandia two. Grandia two is better than Final Fantasy ten two. That is a true statement. Grandia two is better than Final Fantasy ten. I, I like them both, but I like them both for different reasons. You know what? Uh, Final Fantasy X-2, all I say, if you don't go into it thinking it'll be serious, you'll have a good time. I didn't think it would be serious, and I still went around w- wondering, why are we just going through filler so often? I like Look, 10 too I, more than I like 10. I, was, I, I like 10 Ooh. too, but that whole, that whole chapter where you're just looking at security cameras can go die in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> but... That but that said, can be a different backtrack. If you're interested in Grandia 2, the Dreamcast and PS2 versions are around $25. They're not that expensive unless you want a sealed copy in case you could pay $225 for a Dreamcast copy sealed. So if you got lucky in one of those fire sales and never opened your copy, there you go. There's your retirement fund. Um, it, however, if you don't give a crap about physical, the HD collection is on Switch for $40, and the Steam version is 20 because they're separate on Steam, which I just learned today, thanks to David. Uh-huh. Or if you're really, really a physical forever person, the limited run release runs about 150 so have fun with that. Oh, I'm very glad I got in on that when I did. Oh, that that came out during the p- pandemic, and I just couldn't justify the price at the time. And I'm kind of regretting it too, but I'm not as crazy about Gradia as I am other series, so I'm I'm okay. I had to I'm, do it I'm because talking. I was so overtly a Grandia fan that multiple people threatened to send it to me if I didn't get it. <laughs> I've I've got my PS2 version, and I bought the digital, so I'm I'm good. I've still got my Dreamcast version. Unfortunately, I have the PS2 version, but that's okay. I've got. The digital switch version so it's fine i've got digital switch physical switch ps2 and dreamcast and the digital pc versions my goodness i almost want to like re- be able to hug you and pat you on the back and be like it's okay man it's okay i know the pain listen it's not pain i wanted every single one of those <laughs> <laughs> no the, i un- i know the pain of wanting every single one of them in, in some oh, cases that's... fair 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 you're celebrating a highlight of the game arts releasing career that, that's not painful yeah i mean like there's there's a lot of other things you could be much sadder about owning like gun griffin blades <laughs> i own that <laughs> i bought it used <laughs> that was a great laugh for that please don't tell me that you have a sealed copy of sword of vermilion because you love it so i do not own a- i have a copy of sealed sword of vermilion it is not sealed but fun fact you can't delete the save data on it <laughs> 
Oh, what a great job you did there, Sega. Uh, no, you know, we're talking, we're talking gaming regrets. At the end of the month, um, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Remastered is coming out. I spent $80 on that damn game when it was hard to find, and now it's getting re-released. Yeah, no, I know you're paying. So I own it. I was I was very angry. <laughs> I'd spent that much money on that game at the time, and I'm stupid. I'll buy really it again. Like, I didn't really like it all that much. So well, I'm giving it another chance. In in my defense, I was single in the military and literally had no bills except for a cell phone bill. What else were you gonna spend that money on? I, yeah. I, I, that I bought anime, video games, and manga. <laughs> And pizza. Lots of pizza. That's, that's been living that nerd life. Hey, get, get it's, it it's the best can. time of your life. That that Venn diagram of have, having money and time, or barely having any money, but having time on your hands. Uh, yeah, I had time. I had money. And then I started playing WoW. <laughs> Ooh, well, there, all, there went one of those. Mm-hmm. I don't play WoW anymore. And I, I'm much happier with my life. Now I play Final Fantasy XIV, and I don't consider that a waste. <laughs> I'll, I'll play WoW again when they make it fun again. I know, that's why I play Final Fantasy XIV, it's fun. Not having to grind dumb covenants on several different characters just to get anything done. Or but to that, find out the whole story of everything going on. But that that's another rant for another day. I can't I, believe I think... none of us are playing Grandia Online, which definitely still exists. There, there was a Grandia Online? <laughs> yes. There was. Beta for about a year, and then it was never spoken up again. There's probably some private server somewhere. I I would hope, but I don't know if I believe it. Uh, um, I think we're ready to put this one to bed, Matt. Uh, we've we've gone through the whole gamut. Um, Grandia is a really fun game. You should definitely play it since it's available right now. And I'm sorry, Grandia too. I forgot mm-hmm. there's two different games there, but yeah. Um, well. It- what you said is true for both. Oh, yeah, Play both them really both. Play, <laughs> Play them, them both. both. Uh, just a and, reminder that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, and we are your one-stop shop for the latest RPG news, reviews, impressions, and so much more. Thank you, Mike, David, and Robert for being on, especially especially Robert. He took the day off so that he could talk Grandia tonight. That's that's devotion. I If it's a game that I... And I, as I said, I have a very unique mind when it comes to games. I can play a lot of games and remember very intricate details of a lot of games just mm-hmm. from playing it the one time. And Grandia 2, at least I had the withdrawal to go back and play a second time just so I could actually beat it. Because I was at the last boss. There was not much left to the game to me. But mm-hmm. so when I... For me, if it's a game I want to go back to that much, it says something about the game. I don't yeah. know how that how people should take that since I've played Criminal Girls now three times, but take it for what it will. Sometimes I don't think game... I don't think Matt will condemn you for all that playing of Criminal Girls. I, I honestly love the Criminal Girls games. I don't know why. I really do. Sometimes I've a game never just touched vibes. a Criminal Girl myself. <laughs> wow! Wow! But I... Wow! Okay, no, um, not uh, yet. Uh, anyway, but you're planning I'm... to, aren't you? <laughs> I'm not here. Like anyone listening, I don't know these people, <laughs> but. But no, it, if it's it, on a know, spreadsheet, I think I have to. I, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy coming and talking about games where I've played them and really have loved them. Um, and if I'm able to take the time off from work to do so, I will be more than happy to. Yeah, no, I just, yeah, PTO time is precious, especially in the U.S. So I appreciate uh, I, it. I get I get seven hours every two weeks. Oh, okay. Well, no, never mind. <laughs>
Well, that just devalued everything. Thanks a lot. Respect loss. <laughs> hey, I will. I will not. I will not. You know. Now I do. Like when I started and was getting like five hours every two weeks. Yeah, I under. You know, but I also can only schedule up to three months in advance. And I get very limited slots off. So that's where my problem comes in. Not the PTO hours itself. It's whether or not there are slots available for me to take off. Right, right. So, so appreciate it very much. And, and, of course, to the, the guys that didn't have to take time off, I appreciate you guys coming on as well. Because this, this is a fun show, and I love the discussion. And, Mike, and of course, would you like to? Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, no, no, and, and, and I wanted to thank my co-host, Matt, who's always awesome. Thank when you he's not for muted. getting all this set up. Yeah, well... <laughs> I'm even more awesome when I'm muted. Yeah. Nobody knows it in my <laughs> <Good>. head. <laughs> yeah, I, think... I, I feel that there's no way to prove this. There's zero way to prove that. I'll just, you've got to take it on faith. Yeah, there's no way to disprove it either. That's correct. That's right. Oh, prove me wrong. Prove it, me it's wrong. Schrodinger's, it's Schrodinger's Matt mute button. <laughs> is he funnier when you hear him or is he funnier when you don't? It's very much a tree falls in the forest kind of conundrum there. I, th- I think we ought to take it old school and let Mike put us to bed. Yes. All righty then. Let us cast our minds back to when the Dreamcast was a functioning console. The PS2 was brand new, but it hadn't yet conquered Sega's last hardware sally. And Grandia 2 and Skies of Arcadia were excellent reasons to own a Dreamcast if you happen to be an RP gamer. And sadly, that is the last time that a Sega console would be a host to any reasons for RP gamers to play it any new ones at all. There's still plenty to go catch up on nowadays, especially if you go back for the Japanese stuff on well, pretty much anything Sega ever made. But sadly, Sega has not made a system since, and it's unlikely ever to again because of all of how badly it did. <laughs> <laughs>